Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're on we're in our series called Generous Living. I'd like to welcome all of you watching online. My name's Chad. For those of you who haven't got a chance to meet, we're pumped about this series, and that's just an example of what generosity does in our life. You know, when we live a generous life, it, opened up, it opens up doors that weren't open. And uh, so you, you see that, we love hearing the stories about what God's doing in other people's lives. Let's get out our, get right into the message, get our Bibles out. You can get to version Bible app if you're using your phone, sermon notes there, and your worship guide. Let's get our Bibles out. Let's open to Matthew chapter 6. Yeah! Matthew chapter 6. Generous living, generous living. Really been enjoying this series and what God's speaking to our hearts about it. How many ever thought you were pretty generous and then you met someone else that made you think, I might have still have, might have some room to grow? You know, like you thought, oh, I was being very generous and someone comes up and just totally trumps what you were doing, like goes way above and beyond. You know, we've got this where we want to be generous, we want to grow in our generosity, and that's one of the hearts, the reason we're doing this series, because we want to grow in our generosity individually and well, as well as a church. So what does it mean to be generous? Definition. Definition of generous means to be uh, liberal in giving, according to this, according to Webster's Dictionary, liberal in giving, open-handed, abundance or ample proportion. Liberal in giving, open-handed, Abundance or ample proportion. That's Webster's definition, but I kind of simplified it down to two words that I think can best describe generosity. Two words. Those two words are willing and excessive. Willing and excessive. Number one, you have to be willing if you're going to be generous. It's not generous if someone makes you do something. If your mom or dad makes you give that toy to your brother or sister, that's not generous. If someone makes you give something, that's not generosity. It could be manipulation. It could be control. It could be something totally outside of it. So generosity, I have to be willing. I have to want to. Got to be want to. Got to be willing to do it. Then the second part of generosity is excessive. Generosity is over and above. It's doing more than ask, more than, more than is needed, more than what's required. Because I don't know how many of you realize this, that if we're left to our own preferences or devices, we will gravitate towards selfishness. <laughs> you, we will just, it's like a gravitational pull towards me. It's like if we, if we just focus if, we, if we're left to our own devices, we will find ways to just think about ourselves. I always say this, there's two times in your life when you find out how selfish you are. The first one's when you get married. And the second one when you have your children. Those two things will reveal selfishness in your life. If you have any hidden away somewhere, it will bubble to the surface somewhere with your spouse. Because when you're single, if you don't want to do something, you just say, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, your friends come up and say, hey, we're going to go do this. You're like, nah, I don't think so. But if your wife says, hey, we going to want to do this, and you're like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> what, 
what did you say? <laughs> You're there, you have to consider someone else. It's not a bad thing. We joke about it a little bit, but, it, but it's uh, when you have to consider someone else's preferences instead of just your own, it's a whole new world. If you haven't got there yet, it will change your life. And then you have these kids. Kids are awesome. Kids are fun. They're fantastic. I have five of them. I wouldn't trade them for anything. But they reveal selfishness in your life. When you want to do something, your kids want to do something else. You're like, you got to go do this for your kids. Well, I would rather do this, but if it's for them. So selfishness is in our lives, and we have to purposefully do things to get rid of it. So this is why here at the church... God wants us to cultivate different systems to help us grow in our generosity and get rid of selfishness. This is why we have the dream team for you to serve on. Because if we gravitate towards ourselves, we'll just think about ourselves. We'll just come to church and consume church. But we give you an opportunity to get on a team and serve other people so that you don't just think about yourselves. You think about what can I do for other people? That we think, when I come to church, I want to be a giver. So we want to create generosity in helping other people, in giving to other people. So this is one of the reasons we have the dream team. Because we want to serve. Willing and excessive in serving people. Not, I have to. No, I have to come to huddle. No, you get to. Do I have to attend a service and serve a service? No, you get to because you're generous. You're developing and growing on the inside of you something that's bigger than yourself. You're saying, you know what? My preference is come in and get mine and get out because I got things to do. But generosity says I'm going to come in and receive and I'm going to come and bless other people and serve other people. So this is what God wants to do in our life. We do that with our serving because we want to make sure, and because we're, we're not second mile, or we are second mile people, right? Going above and beyond. Anybody with me this morning? Second mile people do more than what's asked. Second mile people go above and beyond. This is why with our dream team, we want to be excessive when you come in. We want to be excessive when people feel welcome. Like, hello, 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 too many people. Too many people welcoming me. Too many people in the parking lot waving signs. Do you have to do all that? No, we get to. We want to be excessive in our children's ministry, excessive in everything we do. Why? Because one of our core values is that we bring our A game because excellence is a reflection of God. So when we do things over the top for other people, you know what that does? That points them to God and says, you know what? God is crazy about you. He's excessive for you. He's excessive. So this is why we do that. Now, not only in our serving, but we also want to be willing and excessive in our giving. Willing and excessive in our giving, even our financial giving. Next Sunday is why we're having our first ever vision offering. And in our vision offering, this first one, what I felt like God's asked us to do, because just like when the children of Israel went into the promised land, he said, I'm going to give you all these cities. But the first city, when you conquer that city and all the gold and silver and all the the spoil that you get from that city, you can't keep any of it for yourself. I want you to bring it into the house of God. So I felt like for this first vision offering, God said, I want you to give it all away. So next Sunday, over and above our tithes, extra, willing and excessive, I'm bringing in my tithe, and then I'm bringing in my vision offering, and I'm offering it to God, and he's going to cause it to do more than we could even ask or think or imagine. And we're going to give it all away. I'm going to keep any of it. 
Because how many knows this? When you ask a tree from God, he gives you a seed. So because we're giving it all away, don't bring a small gift. If it was for the church, I would bring a bigger. No, bring a bigger gift because a bigger seed means a bigger harvest. So I'm going to bring bigger because I want to honor God. So we're wanting to do with our giving. This is what we're talking about in our series in living a generous lifestyle. One of our core values, we live generously, freely we receive, freely we give. The Bible says in Acts 20, Jesus said it's better to give than to it's better to give than to. So it's Jesus' principle. It's our, our principle. We want to be generous, create generosity in our serving, in our giving. We want to live a larger life. A generous life is a large life. We talked about in Proverbs chapter 11 that the life of the generous gets larger and larger, or the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy that just thinks about themselves and who cares about anybody else. I got my own problems. Take care of me. They've got their own issues. I got my issues. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. But the world of the generous gets larger and larger. I want to live a larger life. How about you? A larger life is a successful life. Successful life. Anybody wants to be successful, then they need to be generous. And that's what God's teaching us. That's what this series is about, living a large life. So let's go, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We want to live a large, successful life, so we're going to be generous. This is Jesus teaching in the red. I want you to hear what Jesus is talking about. Because I think there's something that God wants to build into our lives and it's going to be in every area. We're talking about financial because it's part of the, the principle, but we're going to put it in all areas of our life. Verse 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Look at verse 19. It's important. As we study the word of God, see what God's saying. I want you to hear some things that God just kind of highlighted to me and what he wanted me to get out of it and what he, uh, hopefully I can trans translate over and give to you as well. Verse 19, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. The word lay up just means to gather, to store up, to reserve, to deposit. So don't gather up. For yourselves, treasures, the word treasure just means your most precious things, your most precious things, so you lay up for yourselves, don't store up for yourselves, your most precious things on earth, but notice what it says, for yourselves, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Notice what it doesn't say. Sometimes I like to figure out what the Bible is saying by looking at what it's not saying. So I'm going to address some things that maybe you've Maybe you've just picked up somewhere in church. Maybe you've just heard. But notice what the Bible says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It does not say do not lay up treasures on earth. It says do not lay up treasures for yourself. Pause. Selah. <laughs> Think about that. Here's what we heard. We heard... Do not lay up treasures on earth. Treasures on earth are evil. Treasures on earth are bad. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says don't lay up treasures for yourself. Here's the key. 
God doesn't have any problem with you laying up treasures on earth as long as you're not self-focused with them, but you're others-focused with them. My treasures are not, because some people, they almost get ashamed when God brings, brings increase into their life. Oh, God's bringing money to my, I can't have it, I can't have it, it's bad, money's bad. No, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying don't be selfish with what I bring into your life. That's why sometimes the church has almost made people of wealth feel guilty and bad and not even welcome in church because they've got too much money. You rich people, we don't like you. I'll just be fine if you're all wealthy. But that's not the focus. The focus is not to get there, whatever where there is, a dollar figure. The, the focus is to be others-focused and not self-focused. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's not about you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. They didn't believe you. Look at your other one and say, it's not about you either. It's not about you. It's not about you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. So our focus is not to be on ourselves. Our focus is to be on others. Jesus told this story because if I'm self-focused, hear me now, if I'm focused on me and my treasures, then God can't bring more treasures, whatever treasures is. Even we'll talk specifically about financial treasures. God can't bring more into my life if everything stops with me. If it, if it can get through me to others, then God will bring more. It's like this. God and Jesus having a conversation. They look down. They see Chad. And they're like, oh, man, Chad's kind of stingy. We asked him to give that, and he kind of balked a little bit. <laughs> he didn't want to give that. He wanted to buy for himself and take care of himself and save for himself and save for that and, and want to buy things that are going to take care of him. And uh, so we can't give him anymore because it's not getting past him. But when, when God and Jesus look down and, and they see me giving of everything that he's put in my hands, then they say, hey, give him some more. Because if we capture the heart of God, the heart of God is for others, not for ourselves. And whenever we realize that, that the heart of heaven is for others, then God can trust us with more because he knows our heart will not be tainted by more. Our heart will release more. This is what he said. I will give you more if you will get rid of it. But if it stops with you, I'm going to have to shut down the factory. Look what it says in this story in Luke 12. He spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. This is what I'll do, I will. I will pull down my little puny barns, and I'll build greater massive barns. And there I will store, check out that word store, I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Notice what happened. Stored up for himself. And here's what he said. With all the things God had given him, what was his response to do with the things God had given him? Three things. Eat and drink. Be merry. Be merry. Notice all three of those things. Who do they have as the focal point? Eating. Me. Eating stops with me. Feeding is others. Eating is me. Eat, drink. If I'm going to drink, 
That means it's all about me. I'm going to drink. I'm thirsty. Take care of me. But if I provide beverage or if I provide drink to others, eat, drink, and be merry, I'll be merry. Instead of feed, give drinks, and make people merry, serving others is the focal point. But look what happens. So this is what this guy, this guy was all me focused. And look in verse 20, but God said to him, fool, you know it's never a good day when Jesus calls you a fool. That's not, a, that's not a compliment. That's not a, my, my best day. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will all those things be which you have provided? All your toys, all your things. God had any problem with that, was having things. He has a problem when things have us. He didn't have a problem with us having treasures. He has a problem when our treasures are for ourselves. Who's, who are those things going to be which you have provided? Look, verse 21, this is a kicker. So is he or she who lays up treasure for themselves, for himself, and is not rich towards God. This is why we've got to make sure we're not laying up treasures for ourselves. We're laying them up for heaven. We're laying up here. So here's two things. Let me give you these. Two things that impact treasures stored up for ourselves on the earth. Look what it says in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where? Moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal. Two things that impact treasures stored up for ourselves. Moth and rust, thieves breaking in and steal. Let's talk about moth and rust. When it talks about moth and rust destroying, what does that happen? I, I didn't really know this, that moths don't really eat your clothes. I thought they did. I thought, man, you got these holes, you put something in the closet, and you pull it out, your sweater or something, all of a sudden it's got these little holes. Oh, the moth's been eating it. It's not really the moths. I don't know if you know this, but I'm an expert. <laughs> no, I did say it all day in Express. But anyway, I... <laughs> moths don't have mouths. What actually eats your clothes are the larvae that hatch out of its eggs. Yeah, isn't that awesome? So the moth lays eggs on your cashmere sweater. And when the eggs hatch, the little larva, this is larva, they start eating your clothes. Rust if you've got a bicycle, if you just let it set out and you don't keep it moving and keep it oiled, it will rust. So what's the principle? Moth and rust destroy. It speaks to something that we store up and don't use anymore. Larva can't eat my sweater while I'm wearing it, while I'm using it. Rust can't get on my chain if I'm riding my bike and keeping it oiled. The only way it happens if I put it away somewhere and don't use it. This is what happens when moth and rust begin to eat at or destroy the things that God has given us. When we stop using them, when we put them in the closet, when we hide them back there because we got discouraged or disappointed, we got offended, something happened. So we stop using what God give us and we start storing it for ourselves, it begins to deteriorate. But if you keep it active and keep using it for others, it will not rust and moss will not eat it. 
This is what God's saying. They said, we got to make sure if we're going to keep our treasures, we can't store them up for ourselves because moss will begin to eat at, or the larva specifically, but he talks about moss, and then and the rust will begin to eat away at it. So this is something we're putting away and storing. We're not using. Second thing, thieves break in and steal. Thieves break in and steal. means to take secretly without permission. Why do thieves break in? You know, thieves aren't breaking in everywhere. They only break into a place that they think there's something valuable in there to take. They're not breaking into everybody's house. (laughs) They're only breaking in where they think there's something valuable. So he's saying thieves can break in and steal. So they believe there's something valuable on the inside, so they're after what's valuable, and now to get in, thieves can't steal anything unless they can get inside somewhere. You tracking with me? So unless they can get access, a thief can't steal. So this is where the enemy is looking for access into my mind, into my heart, to begin to steal the valuable things on the inside of me, the valuable things on the inside of you. The Bible says this, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy the treasure on the inside of you. What's treasure on the inside of it? The joy of the Lord is treasure on the inside of me. The peace of God is treasure on the inside of me. The love of God, it's joy on the inside of me. And if the enemy can get access into my mind, he can begin to try and steal the joy, the fruit, the treasure that's on the inside of me. He can begin to try and steal that out of my life. And this is what happens. This is why we got to make sure we're not storing it up for ourselves. we got to give it away. He can't steal my peace if I'm giving and using my peace to bless others, but only when I store it up for myself. God, man, see the picture here. When I begin to hoard my kindness for myself, the enemy has access to steal it out of my life. When I'm giving it to others, when I'm releasing it, this is where God can keep using me to help other people. And this is what he's talking about happens here. He's gonna, we got to protect our treasure by two things. One, consistent use. And number two, by keeping our access doors closed. Don't let the enemy in. Look at verse 20. So we don't lay up treasures for ourselves on earth, but verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we are supposed to lay up treasures for ourselves. The issue is where are we laying up our treasures? We are supposed to lay up treasures for ourselves. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Hear me. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Here's the question I'll ask you. If you're not laying up for yourself treasure in heaven, who is? No one else can lay up treasures for you in heaven. No one can lay up treasures for me in heaven but me. I have to lay up for myself treasure in heaven. It's not talking about money. I'm going to put money away. If I do money things here, then I'll have money. It's not talking about that. It's saying my most precious things in heaven I have to invest in. Let me say it this way. We can put money aside into a retirement account here in the natural, right? Maybe you have a 401K, maybe you have a Roth IRA, something like that. You're putting money aside. You're investing money. You, you put money in and the, it builds over time. You're accumulating so that when you retire, hopefully you have money there to uh, draw off of. You pay into Social Security and you're praying and hoping that someday it will still be there and you'll be able to withdraw <laughs> that Social Security someday. So 
So you're putting money away for something later. So later when you're there, you get to enjoy it. So you're investing in your future. Here's what God's saying. We do that in the practical. We need to also do it in the spiritual. Because your life on this earth is just a small sliver of your existence. Even if you live to be 100 years old, a hundred years is a small sliver of eternity. So I'm all for putting into retirement on the earth. I'm not against that. I'm not saying that it's bad to put away money. I'm just saying, are you also laying up for yourself treasures in heaven? Are you also investing into your spiritual future by using what God's given you? When I pour into others and sow into others out of the gifts and talents that God's given me, out of the resources God's given me, then I am putting up for myself treasures in heaven. I'm sacrificing treasures in the now for my treasures in the future. Muy bueno? I want to make sure you understand the right, speaking the right language here. Because sometimes we're laying up for ourselves treasures on the earth and we don't have vision for heaven. We don't have vision for eternity. We're just thinking about the now, thinking about ourselves. And Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So this is, this is the eternal word. Look in verse, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Verse 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Here's what he was saying to the church in Philippi. He was saying, hey, you sent financial aid to me? And that was awesome. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid to me. That was fantastic. Your generosity was amazing. But it's not that I seek the money that you're sending me. That's not the big part. I want the fruit that abounds to your account. Where is their account? What account is he talking about? He's talking about heavenly treasures. That when you give, when they were giving to Paul, they were depositing into their heavenly account. Now, what, is, what are they going to be, well, be able to withdraw out of their heavenly account? I don't know. I'm assuming it's not dollars. I'm assuming it's a little bigger than that. But when they're investing into the kingdom, pouring into Paul's ministry, giving financially, Paul said, you are actually depositing into your heavenly account. I want to see that kind of picture. I don't want to just see right here and now. I want to see eternity because I want to hear someday from my heavenly father, hey, son, well done. Welcome into heaven. Now let me show you what your fat account is like up here. That's what I want. I want, I want, to, I want God to use what he's put in my hand that if I offer it to him and say, God, show me what I can do with the resources you give me, then it is growing in your heavenly account. And this is what he's talking about. Let's go to the next part. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice the tense of the verbiage. Where your treasure is... Currently, your heart will be also. I always thought this was backwards. I always thought is where your heart is, your treasure will be. But no, this is Jesus talking. And he's teaching a powerful principle. I need to get it. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Catch this. 
Treasure is, heart will be. Treasure comes before heart. Like, that's not true. Oh, it is. It is true. Where you put your treasure, your heart is going to follow. If you buy a boat, your heart is going to say, we need to go boating because I bought a boat. If I buy a new gun, well, I need to go hunting. I need to kill a deer. If you buy golf clubs, I want to go use those. Where your treasure is, your heart goes. And this is the principle that God's given us, that if you want your heart to change directions, change your treasure. Someone say, well, my heart's, my heart's in it. I'm going to say something strong. Are you ready? Are you listening? Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me. Because this is what Jesus is saying, and I'm just supporting what he's saying. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's unbiblical to say my heart is in it if my treasure's not. People say, my heart's in it. Is your treasure there? If your treasure's not there, your heart's really not there. That's what Jesus is saying. When we, when we say we want to believe in something, if I say I want to believe in helping uh, rescue children out of sex trafficking, do you have your treasure in it? If your treasure's in it, now your heart's going to be even more invested in it. Where you put your treasure, your heart's going to go. And this is what he's talking about. I want to make sure you understand the power, he said, of generosity. He said, if, if, you, if, you, need to ch- if you need a heart change, change for your treasures. And this is what I believe God's going to speak to you. God, maybe my heart's not in the right place. I believe he's going to speak to you and say, I want you to move your treasure out of that. You keep pouring into that. And it's not giving you return. I want you to move your treasure and put it in something different that's going to put your heart in the right direction. And look what happens because you go down verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Notice there's two masters. For either he will hate the one or love the other. Hate the one, love the other. Man, that's strong language. Hate and love. They're totally opposite, polar opposites. Hate and love. Hate the one, love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. Loyal and despise. You cannot serve God and mammon. Notice what he's saying. Two different masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. You're going to hate one and love the other. This word mammon is not money. It's not money. It's not talking about money. Because you can serve God and have money. You can You can't serve God if money is your God. See, the problem too many times is people thought that the church's goal was to teach you to not have any money and therefore you're closer to God. Oh, it's such a bad theology. So then what happened, people got in this other ditch and thought God just wants you to have a bunch of money. (laughs) So we got these two ditches. We're like, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be poor. No, neither one is true. God wants you to love him with all of your heart, to give him all of your treasures, and then let him grow you and mature you into a place where he can bring increase into your life, the level of your generosity. 
put a lid on how much God can trust me with by how generous I am with what he gives me. There's no lid, there's no lid like a dollar amount. Oh, dollar amounts, God is so much bigger than that. Please get past that. But I put a lid on how God can use my gifts and talents based on how generous I am with what he's given me. He who is unfaithful with what is little will be unfaithful with much. Well, if I had more, I would do more. No, that's not biblical. If we give out of what we have, God can trust to give you more. Are you talking about money? I'm talking about everything. Can he trust you to serve, to give of your time, to help other people? Can he trust you with the free time that you have? Well, I just don't have much. I know, but can he trust you with what you have? Can he trust you with the finances he does put in your hand? Just like Jenna was talking about. She said, okay, we're going to trust him with what we have. We're going to increase our giving. What? That doesn't make any sense. Increase your giving when you've got all this debt? Yeah, we're going to trust God. And this is what God is saying. You can't serve God and mammon. The word mammon is an Aramaic term for a God of riches. Here's what mammon says. It says to all of us, here's what speaks to all of us. You don't need God, you just need more money. Your problem's not a lack of money. Jesus never told anyone this sentence. You know how we say this, uh, said no one ever? <laughs> Jesus never went up to anyone and said, you know what, all you need is more money. Said Jesus never. He never said that because he knew money wasn't the answer. He will bring money into our life, but it will never be able to take the place of God. So you can't serve God and the need for money to make all my decisions. God either makes my decisions or money makes my decisions. And mammon is when we allow our financial world to rule us and determine our decisions. And he says, you can't serve both. You gotta serve God. And if you'll put your money in the kingdom of God and let God rule your money, then now he can bless and, and bring fruitfulness into your finances. How do we break the spirit of mammon? Here's how we do it. I'll close with this. How do we break the spirit of mammon off of our money? Because all money has a spirit on it. It's either used for the kingdom of God or it's used for the kingdom of darkness. It's, it's really, there's no separate. Two masters. Here's how God started dealing with me about how to break mammon, the spirit of mammon. Because I had a spirit of mammon. And I, say, I say I had a spirit of mammon. It's not like I'm demon possessed. I just, my mind... Well, some people you got to teach them. They're like, they freak out over stuff. And when you say, we talk in some Christianese sometimes and I forget... There's people listening that have no idea what, uh, where I'm coming from. So I say, what happened? My thinking was aligned with the, the devil's thinking, the spirit of mammon. So my thinking was, all I needed was more money and my problems would go away. So I wanted to make a better job, make more money, then that's, that's my goal. So spirit of mammon, that all I need is more money. My problems will be solved with more money. So that's spirit of mammon. So God says, okay, I want to take you somewhere. I want to show you that money's not your problem, that your heart is your problem. I go, okay, that's kind of harsh, but how do you want to do that? He said, I want you to tithe. So he started speaking to me about tithing. And he took me to the scripture in Romans chapter 11. Verse 16 says, For the first, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. First fruit, tithe. If the first fruit is holy, set apart to God, then the lump, the rest, is also holy. How many of you want some holy lumps? 
What he's saying is, if you'll honor me with this portion, this small portion, all I ask is for this small portion, then your lump, the rest, will be holy. But if you keep back and store up for yourself the whole lump, then the whole lump will not receive my blessing. Not because I'm mad at you, because I can't have access. We have to give God access into areas of our lives if we want the blessing of the Lord on that area of our lives. And so he brought me through that. So I said, okay, God, we'll start honoring you with the tithe. And when I begin to give him the first, it's a process. Some of our decisions, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, Chad, I'm tithing, but I'm still struggling. Well, then we may need to look at, just like Dustin and Jenna did, are you spending more than you're making? Sometimes, well, I'm tithing. Something else has got to be wrong. Well, I know it could be something else. Sometimes we got to break it down. And for Don and I, we had to sit down and we say, okay, we, we got too many expenses. That's our problem. We're tithing. We're still going under because I'm, I'm pouring into all this other stuff. Pile of debt going nowhere. Credit card debt up to my eyeballs. I thought it was up to my eyeballs. It was $3,000. At that time, I was like, I'll never pay that off. $3,000. Owed, owed on two cars. Owed on school loans. How are we going to do it? So I, we had to start changing some things. So my prayer for you is to open up your heart to be generous to God and let him have access into your finances and see what he can do. Not because the, the, the church is trying to get something from you. Again, I try and say this with all the passion I can. The church is not trying to get something from you. We're trying to get a revelation in you. And if you get a revelation in you about living generously, your, your world's going to get larger. Not just finances. But I want to create, I, I believe this, I believe God's wanting to create a culture in this church that we are generous with everything. Not 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. No, not here. Uh-uh. We're generous. Everybody's serving. Everybody's giving. Nobody's just consuming. No larva. No larva in here. It's gross. We want a larva-free zone at the roads. We want givers. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.